this week as uh, we endure the return of our friend Dave back into the ranks of movie podcasters. We're enduring another cash grab with the return of Creed 2 and its star-studded cast. And while we, retur- we welcome the return of Michael B. Jordan's rippling muscles to the uh, big screen, we're focusing on those that do not return as we discuss filmmakers that abandon the sequels of their highly successful films. Two fun movie podcasts, Batman on Film and Two Chunks and a Hunk, help us steer this conversation and keep our inevitable rambling to a minimum. Welcome to Marcus Played, the film podcast about film podcasts. All right, well, first and foremost, why don't we uh, welcome back the uh, estranged prodigal son, I guess <laughs> we'll refer to him, old Dave over there. I don't know what he's been doing, writing, I guess. I don't know who still writes anymore, but Dave's been doing it. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you very much. I mean, I don't know who writes anymore, but I know apparently you, you read it, so I got to keep writing. Like, if you'd stop reading, I'd just quit, but you Do keep you actually know that for show. sure? Dave, he actually, or does no, he just he, skim? Does he just know, skim? I mean, that's more than most people on the internet do. Like, he read more than the headline. Um, you know, it's fair enough. I do it like I do my podcasts. Like when I'm trying to encourage friends, or uh, listen to like a segment, I'll fast forward about 20 minutes in, listen to a sentence, comment back on, you know, hey, I love your your work on Super Cinema about share. You don't Works know that like I only listen to about 30 seconds of it. Hey, it's more I mean than that's most still people. that's a lot of work. If you're having to like actually skip ahead, you, st- yeah. you got the download. I'd be dragging my finger across the thing. I know I'm out of shape. <laughs> I know you, Hyro. I know you. That still sounds like a ton of work. For me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have seen that. I'm so fat. I'm like sweating trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Just dragging that finger across. <laughs> all right. It's enough about the fat jokes. But all right. Let's talk about this week's uh, theme here. Uh, so we're, we're kind of pairing this up with Creed 2. And Creed 2 has a new director, uh, Stephen Capel Jr., replacing uh, Coogler. Who was wildly successful? Um, I believe you two gentlemen were really, really huge fans of of Creed Two. So we just want to us. Talk about- it was just me and Dave. No one yeah, else liked nobody it. Nobody else saw it. Yeah, I mean, well, just- of the three of us here, I mean, I like yes. it. It's a good movie. I'm just not, uh, you know, over the moon or whatever it was that you guys do, you know. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about directors abandon or filmmaker abandonment, right? Because it goes a little bit beyond the directors as well. Um, so I'll, I'll. I'll you know what? Let me just jump into this. We're a podcast about movie podcasts, so I'm going to give you guys my. I'm going to insert it right here. This is the podcast I brought. Zachy, you said this on a on our original podcast. I listened to some of it today. That Ryan Coogler was still kind of playing in Stallone's sandbox, even though it was his film. It's still Stallone's franchise, right? And absolutely, perfectly stated. But at the end of the day, that was still very much a Ryan Coogler film. It was his his baby. The genesis of that whole film was his pitch to Stallone and his writing and his directing. And so when I found out he wasn't going to do this film, it concerned me. Um, and at the time, Stallone was going to, to direct it, and that even concerned me more. Uh, one, I just thought, I think this film needs a black director. I just do. I think having a young black director, young and black director, is what is part of what made Creed work. It was able to tap into a culture that Stallone – just doesn't know about. He, and, you know, at this point, he's in his seventies. He's been a multimillionaire for 35, 40 years. He's out of touch with that. And it needed that. It needed someone hungry and young. And, and quite frankly, I think the ethnicity was important because it tapped into that culture of young African American men and what they go through in life. And 
Creed is a beautiful movie, and it's a beautiful movie for a million different reasons. And Ryan Coogler is obviously the heart of all of that. This is the Batman on Film podcast. <laughs> so interesting name, ladies <laughs> gentlemen. But as I was listening to, I was very, very uh, interested in Hold something. On a that was- Can you? What, what is the premise of this show? They talk about movies, man. Wait, who's who's bat? Like, is one person yeah. Batman? Is there like <laughs> yeah. a group of Batman all talking about films? I think it's a group like- of Batmen. Okay, you you just had me intrigued with the title, so I just wanted a little little context for what we're about to hear. Yeah, no, no, I I started listening to them, and and they had really good points. I mean, um, and like you know, inside baseball, we kind of struggled this week to find something that kind of fit this topic because (laughs) not a lot of people were having like really big conversations. They talk about you know what they think about Creed two or what they think about these sequels, but nobody's really digging into sort of what we want to talk about, which is that replacement of the director or the replacement of the filmmaker. Um, and here. They really focused on how, you know, this is kind of a, a double whammy situation with the replacement because Coogler stepped in and it's what, episode seven of a, a long running film series. You, know, you got all the Rockies, but Rocky is Stallone's baby, right? Uh-huh. So it's Stallone's thing. So here you have Coogler stepping in. It's not quite director abandonment, but then you have Coogler being wildly successful. Coogler actually pitched Stallone the idea of bringing creed into fruition and then he kind of walks away to do black panther you know what a shit decision that was yeah made no money what an idiot <laughs> and they bring in stephen capel jr to kind of follow in the footsteps and i haven't seen creed 2 yet i'm gonna see it tonight but it's, it's just i think it's an interesting phenomenon like it does where does the ownership kind of jump in here on 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 the uh on the property on the franchise on quote unquote the hot tour sort of style thing i'm gonna take this first because i'm gonna Totally dump this grenade off on Dave. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> this knowing whole episode your, should be that. back to podcasting, Dave. Here's a bunch of shit in your lap. <laughs> Good. No, this, this, this will not be that bad. Just because okay. knowing you and, I guess, your love of the series. I, to, my answer to Hiro's question is that for Rocky, I don't even know if people associate this with being Stallone's baby anymore. I feel like it's more like... The fans have taken ownership. So I'm assuming that if Coogler came to Stallone, he's a fan of the series and he said, Hey, I've got an idea to approach it this way. I don't, I don't know if people look at it as like, <laughs> how dare they? How can they take this from Stallone? I think that it's been around for so long that people like Dave with like the box set and probably the trunks and posters and all that. You probably feel that's out of my life, sir. Stallone. <laughs> I had to have a little dig in there. You know, I got, I got to add some flavor. So, I mean, you're more of a fan of the series than me. I, I've not even seen all the Rocky movies, but I love Creed. What? Are you an American citizen? Uh, well, am I getting kicked out of the country because I've not seen Rocky Five? I don't it's think it's a line in the sand. That's the that's the only one you can skip, sir. That's it. That's Rocky Five. The rest, okay. I don't know. So. It's a good comedy. I liked it. <laughs> but Dave, yeah. back to Mike's question. Go ahead. No, but I think Mike actually shockingly brings up a good point is that, uh, thank <laughs> this you. Series, good night. <laughs> this series has been, a, been around longer than some of the fans of the series. Like this is, this is a, definitely a very, very old sequence of movies. And I think a lot of people, especially like newer fans, like there are a bunch of people who are fans of Creed who had never seen a Rocky movie or maybe seen one or two Rocky movies. So they're not really so hooked in. Um, and I think it really helped. The rest of us who were hooked in, Jesus, it helped the rest of us that uh, that Stallone kind of gave his uh, gave his seal of approval 
um, to this young director who came in and said, I have this really, really great idea for the franchise. And I think it also helped that it been so many years since there'd been one. It's not as if, you know, Rocky Balboa came out two years ago and then, you know, Creed comes in and like, oh, we're going to change everything. It was like, you know, it had been enough time. So I don't think people had that strong of a reaction. Uh, but I think the from Creed to Creed 2 is a different story uh, because you have the kind of revitalization of this franchise and then all of a sudden because of timing or what have you we have to we have to kind of change change the process here uh not because he didn't want to do the movie but because you know he was busy making a billion dollars for poor marvel what a waste of time let's be honest though stallone wasn't exactly uh lighting the world on fire with his other projects you know i don't see the stopper my mom will shoot sequel anywhere on the horizon or the <laughs> that's the, the one you go with the oscar franchise <laughs> really crazy. bubbling up um he even tried to make his own uh Oscar run with what was it Copland a few years uh, maybe a couple decades ago <laughs> but a few years 20 years yeah, ago yeah we I had old, to pause. <laughs> I'm getting old myself man it's like Jesus time's flying by but well part of it is also he had the finale right like Rocky Balboa was his send-off to the series and I feel like the fans were satisfied like okay this is the the ending to the character so Creed you know it could have been a disaster I think because of yes. Stallone's involvement like I when it was announced, I remember thinking I would be a lot more confident in this if Stallone was not involved at all. Like if, if Rocky was not in the series, because I thought like, okay, now you're reopening that door. The fans seem satisfied. Right. And no offense to the man, but is he going to bring this down? Because he is ancient. Like he's coming off of the Expendables where it's like he's trying to kick the tires and relive the glory days of the 80s. I was really hesitant coming in that you know, it's fucking Rocky could get in the ring in Creed. I'm like, oh my, this could really be a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. That did not happen, though. And I, I feel the same way about Creed, too. It's like, what the hell is this crap? I mean, he just, he took uh, Ivan Drago out of his uh, at his chloroform bath or whatever it is, you know, and he just, <laughs> it just seems like such a ludicrous idea, but all I'm hearing is good stuff. Well, Dave and I, I have seen it, right? <laughs> yes. You know, we're the experts on this show, hosted by a man who's not seen Creed 2, because he was kicked out of the country for not seeing Rocky Five. <laughs> I call it a deployment to defend freedom. <laughs> uh, call it whatever you <laughs> yeah, like, sir. Whatever you gotta do. Um, I actually, I actually enjoyed this. Now I, I'm not as high on it as I was Creed, and maybe it's the surprise factor. Like this one feels to me like it truly is a Rocky movie from the series. Like it's 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 yeah. embracing that there are sequels and that there are going to be new matches, new challenges. I do think that it sort of smartly acknowledges <laughs> that sort of the conceit of these movies, in particular the sequels, are kind of dumb. They're they're kind of cash grabs. And so they just have, basically, the character, uh, the way we have Michael B. Jordan sort of opening this up is that he's unsatisfied. Like, he's on top of the world, and it's not enough. And to me, that felt like, okay, that's the series. It's like we had this great critical and box office success with Creed that no one expected. How do we double down and do it again without the filmmaker that brought the first one around? Right. I think they mostly pulled off. They pulled off as well as I think a sequel can be pulled off. And it already made more money than the first Creed, so they're good to Are go. Are you serious? Yeah, oh yeah. So Creed 3, coming soon. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's coming, of course. guaranteed. Oh yeah. man, Clubber Lang's kid, I can't wait to see him. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, or the, the Tommy Morrison, bring the, that guy's mullet back or something like that. Um, it, it, One of the things, going back to the Batman on Film podcast that you guys are going to be uh, subscribing to here soon... It, it, they talk yes, about because how, you couldn't explain it well enough, so now I have to subscribe and yeah, <laughs> understand I'm it. Curious. I, I subscribe, <laughs> man. I dug it. I dug the conversation <laughs> that they were doing there. But uh, they also talk about how 
you know, Stallone kind of had his arms around it for many, many years. And, you know, the first four, four or so films, while there isn't, uh, there are like ebbs and flows because it gets like progressively crazier, you know, you know, where he's doing the Clubber Lang thing and he's fighting Drago for the defense of America and all this shit. And, and, and then, you know, Kugler sort of grounds the film and, and modernizes it and, and changes the environment. Let's be, let's be frank. He made a very, <laughs> You know, he 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 took it into a more um, <laughs> modern situation here, right? He, like a more urban location. Uh, there it is. Okay. There's the I word. Saying, I, I don't think you're it. being frank yet. There we go. All right. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the Michael Dennis shuffle over here. <laughs> so how many times is he going to say modern? What is modern code for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't catch a break up in here. But that really helped, you know, t- take the, the series in a, in a new direction, right? And And... I don't like when Rocky Balboa came out. Was Rocky Balboa the sixth one where he gets in the ring with Antonio Tarver? Yes, that just felt so tired to me. It that felt like a guy on his last leg. It was a victory lap. I mean, that's that's all that movie was. It was like let's just close this out so there's no more questions. And then I I don't think he ever thought he was going to make another Rocky movie after that. He was like, okay, I'm still somehow in good shape. I'm still taking steroids. So let's uh let's finish the the Rocky thing off and. You know, it's a fine, it's a fine. Rocky taking shots movie. at the steroids, you're just casual, just throwing that oh, out there. Come on, the dude's on the sauce. He was like 60 when that movie came out. <laughs> come on, have you seen that guy shirtless? That guy's amazing. I I know that's what I'm saying. He's got like that's old man natural. face, but then he's got like the big like Arnold circa 75 body. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that amazing. I think that's that's a form of of horror there to have <laughs> that combination. But I, yeah, I, I like the the victory lap sort of analogy. Is that everyone kind of knew? Does this work totally as a movie on its own? No, I mean it works as a sequel. It works as right. a bookend to the the first one to sort of like celebrate. Hey, we like that when we were younger. Creed did uh-huh. that differently in that it's a completely different audience. Like I, I don't think the people that want to see Creed necessarily have seen any of the Rocky movies. Now, <clears throat> Creed two. One criticism is maybe it leans a little bit too much into you know being somewhat of a remake. To Rocky Four, because I did Force hear Awakens of the franchise. I mean, kind of. For, it's almost it's almost more of a remake. The way the movie is set up, anyway, it's like a remake of oh, Rocky Three. It there is. It's go. a remake nerd, of Rocky Three. Just comes out just using <laughs> characters from Rocky Four. They just like kind of shoehorn Drago in there, but like the actual setup of the plot, it's Rocky Three, and it works. You know, just like Rocky Three did. It's, oh man, I can't wait. Is there is Thunderlips involved here? Or we got like a <laughs> no, wrestling montage. No, I just mean the plot points are like. Are like the third Rocky, just using characters from the fourth Rocky. So, I did hear people going into it uh, asking like questions about Rocky Four, and I don't think in Creed you necessarily had to ask. Everyone just sort of knows who Rocky is as an icon, as a character. But in this one, I was, <laughs> it was like prep work being given to like the friend, the coworkers. Like, all right, here's who these characters were: the Russians, the training sequences, blah blah blah. And if they that, don't know this stuff, I think you should disown these friends, Michael. I mean, I think you should just really think about who you're fraternizing with. Mm, I, I would probably see that piece of Americana right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, the, the the American thing to do is you go buy the ticket to Creed Two without feeling like it's the Marvel Universe, where it's like, all right, I need to oh, watch all seven go. before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, have we had a Marcus Played podcast where we don't talk about the Marvel Universe? Is there? It's like. Well, Mandatory. they're connected to everything. I mean, well, here's a here's a question for the two of you. Do you all remember when you were younger? Did you ever just watch a sequel to something without necessarily seeing the first one? Because I remember, I think watching like Lethal Weapon two or three as a kid, and I had not seen 
the other one. You can step into those movies any which way. I kind of miss those days. They're not sequential, right? There's not. They're like their own sort of standalone stories. I mean, I I don't I don't remember the second one. I mean, or which one's the third or fourth or whatever. You know what? Another one that falls into that category: Superman two. You know, Superman two is is the Richard Donner old ones. I don't think Donner directed the second one or whatever. I don't know what happened there. But, well, you want uh, to talk about replacing filmmakers? I think he was replaced what mid shoot on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but those movies you could just kind of jump in. Like you didn't really, you didn't have to see the first Superman to enjoy the second one. But it's a different world now. Like you gotta, you gotta catch up on all nineteen movies before you catch the twentieth. I mean, that's, that's well, where Dave. We are. Do you think it's weird that like my crowd, they were trying to figure out catch up on something from the eighties. They they weren't necessarily <laughs> yeah. worried about catching up on Creed one. They're like, okay, so what happened? Like in the late eighties, I found that to be a sort of a strange, as again, as sort of an embracing ideology that we are a sequel and this is a movie about sequels and it is as you mentioned kind of the opposite of of the first creed where you could you could never have seen a rocky movie and still enjoy it whereas this one i feel like there's so much it's so much about history uh that if you haven't seen rocky four at least know what happened there you're going to be kind of like why do i care i mean they kind of they kind of bring up what happened in rocky four in the beginning of creed two but you know, if I hadn't seen it, I might not have been really following it that closely. But like, why do I? Why do I care about this old Russian? Who? Who gives a shit? But you know, that kind of goes into the, uh, the the podcast I brought, which is about a Marvel movie, because that was the sort of idea I had as far as audiences now being trained to be sort of aware of what they're walking into and making these sort of big connections with things that maybe in the past. You wouldn't because you wouldn't have 18 movies to try to connect the dots on. So the podcast I'm bringing to the table is called Two Chunks and a Hunk. <laughs> and you and you mocked my Batman and film podcast. Well, okay. First off, Dave, as the uh, yes. the neutral third party here, don't you think with that title, you understand who's going to be speaking to you? Yeah, like it's, yeah, they actually absolutely. have numbers there. Yeah. Whereas we I were like totally it. confused about who's Batman. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think I win this round just on the title. <laughs> but the episode I'm bringing to the table was uh, they did a review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, which uh, I guess the first one had a troubled history with both the fans and filmmakers because for a long time it was Edgar Wright. That was his like passion project. And I believe Kevin Feige was on record as saying if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even be doing Ant-Man. Like Ant-Man would not be in right. the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. So he gets kicked to the curb when he doesn't fall in line and I guess have a Falcon cameo or whatever Marvel required. And I remember when the first one came out, that was a lot of the conversation around it. And with this one, that one, I guess it felt settled in. Like people like, I I didn't hear anything about lamenting like, man, what would Edgar Wright's version of this be at this point? Well, when you get the director of bring it on to, to helm your movie, I mean, there's no more (laughs) solves all your problems. Wow. Slander (laughs) all over the place. Okay. But on this podcast, their their issues were not so much with the filmmaker change, but with a filmmaker sharing the time with like other filmmakers in the Marvel universe, as far as like trying to answer the questions that the Marvel zombies would have, as far as where does this take place in which time period, and it is it is something that is I guess a delicate balance that first off, Ant Man and the Wasp would not be as successful if it wasn't a part of that series. Like there would probably not be an Ant Man and Wasp movie if it was the old lethal weapon days where it was just a sequel to another ant-man movie but it does hinder it does constrain the film that they have to sort of answer the questions that really are not relevant to 
the plot itself. Like it's just an Ant Man. It is old fashioned. It's an Ant Man adventure. I experience. do want to take a dump on that. There's we've talked about at different points in the show. We've talked about moments where you can see the bones of a story. Yeah, where it's like okay, we really didn't put enough to disguise the motion of the plot here. Yeah. Like it opens with a voiceover of Hank being like, maybe we can find your mom again, Hope. Right. And it's like, okay, that's what the movie's going to be about. You know sure. what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm all for, like, definitely set it up in the beginning. Tell me what the movie's going to be about. But it doesn't have to be like, hey, thanks for coming into our theater today. I know you've just started Ant-Man and the Wasp. Here's just a quick intro about what this yeah. movie's going to be about. Hi, it's me, Michael Douglas. <laughs> today we're going to be going on a search for Hope's mother. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think that is a, uh, it was actually almost my super dump was the pacing really? of this movie. Really? Um, it is. I, in my opinion, one of the weakest points about this movie is just like the beginning and the end happened so quickly and so rapidly. Yeah. And the middle of this movie felt like it was about an hour and a half. The middle of the movie felt right to me though. Like once we got past that weird little hiccup in the beginning and like, if we can just pull the ejector cord and parachute out of the plane right before it lands, I feel like it's a great movie in the middle. But isn't that the whole Marvel sort of thing though, right? Is you have these stories, but you have to have these beats within the story in order to make the Lego pieces fit. You know, you can't just tell. I think your this story. one was more difficult because because of the fact of, I guess, mild spoiler alert at this time for Avengers: Infinity War, but they'd killed off <laughs> for the half nine universe. people in the world who haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> and since this was the follow up follow up film, people were wondering like, wait a minute, what does this take place after, before, during? And it, it's it's a weird thing to put on a filmmaker to have to establish all of this context when none of that really has anything to do with the story they're trying to tell. And especially when their stories tend to be more lighthearted and like, <laughs> you know, the end of Infinity War certainly wasn't that. So they kind of... I laughed. You, I don't know. What, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what they were going for, though. That's... <laughs> I definitely laughed at the patrons around me who were like sniffling and they're in tears and shit like that. I was just giggling at them, but proceed, sir. But yeah, I think in a, in a movie like that, it, it does definitely stand out more, uh, because it doesn't really fit the style of movie that they're making. They are making very, very much an old school adventure movie. Like this is just a good time. And then they feel the need to be like, Oh, I, I guess after the credits, we have to have people disappear to dust or we have to talk about what's, what's going on here because everyone wants to know. And it was just kind of, and I think it, in a lot of ways, it, it hurts that movie a lot because an Ant-Man movie should just be fun. It should be a good time, especially with the actors that they have cast in those roles. You know, I don't really need to see like Paul Rudd in a, you know, in a movie where he's mourning the loss of superheroes. That's not, you know, it's not something I'm dying to see. I'd rather have him see him have a good time. And I think that's what those movies are made for. With the great Michael Pena. Um, Yes, true. Let me ask you this. Like, so kind of running it back a little bit to the sort of overall abandonment thing. A lot of times, obviously, these are like cash cows that they're they're jumping on the sequel to make a buck. I mean, nine times out of ten, that's the intent. I don't think the studios really have this artistic vision in mind is we need to continue the story, you know. <laughs> um, but oftentimes, you know, when the when the director or the filmmaker doesn't come back, you know, they hire somebody else. But like, for instance, do you remember who did Jaws 2? Who's the director of that? Nope. Um, but I do know. I've also not time, seen Jaws 2. So but, does that kick me out of the country time, as well? No, I mean it's not a bad time, movie. That was the but... biggest grossing movie of all time. Like that was the that was the biggest money maker ever because Jaws was such was such a hit out of nowhere that Jaws two raked in all that money. And I, I was thinking about you had brought up Jaws as as an example, kind of off the air, and it got me to thinking that like maybe we should be happy that these filmmakers are jumping ship. 
Maybe it's a good thing. I remember when uh, when Coogler had signed on to do Black Panther, I was one of those people who was like, oh, God. Now we got Ryan Coogler in the Marvel Universe. Just let, just have him do the movies he wants to do. He's a great young director. Don't get trapped into this uh, into this contract where you're doing nine Marvel movies because like, I'm really interested to see what he does as a director. Because I like how you're fitting right back into the Marcus Played shoes of trashing Marvel. <laughs> just well, don't I go mean, to Marvel. And, but, I, but I will say this is I think he did a really good job with Black Panther. I think it's one of the few Marvel movies that I think really does stand on its own and has the stamp of a director. So the fact that he left you know, Creed 2 to do Black Panther, and hopefully he will continue to kind of do passion projects and things he really cares about. And I think we should we should be really happy when these directors leave these obvious money makers. you know, like someone who is willing to walk away from Jaws or walk away from Creed when you know the next one's going to make money. I mean, it shows a little bit of artistic integrity, which is weird to say when you're talking about a director who just went to Marvel and made a billion dollars for Black Panther. But I think in the end, it's a good thing to kind of follow his own path and figure out what he wants to do it is strange though because i think the mission impossible series previously was a pretty good example of the old school way of making sequels they'd bring in a new director and it'd have a completely different style just be a new adventure with tom cruise and company it wasn't the recent one the first one to have two directors in a row yeah uh christopher mcquarrie has doubled down and it's strange though People seem to have enjoyed these last two more, or it seems to be uh, gaining in esteem critically. Uh, But I I also kind of lament that, kind of like Dave, I guess, with Black Panther, that I like bringing in a new director for a franchise and getting a new take on things. I I don't like for directors I like to be stuck in a franchise. It would probably be a very bad business decision for Coogler to pass up on Black Black Panther Panther 2 and 3. Yeah, probably a bad call. I think it's a... When you talk about the Mission, Mission Impossible franchise, that was never De Palma's thing. You know, it's not something that he uh, shepherded. It's he's not like this big auteur for Mission Impossible. That's a franchise that existed. That seems to be a very studio-driven thing. Um, I, I think that, but it wasn't a movie franchise that existed. It was no, a TV I, franchise, no, just like right. Black Panther was a comic book franchise, and it's not Coogler's baby. But we don't expect him to walk away and it'd be weird i think it would be even though i've said like i would like him to i think it'd be weird to see a black panther movie directed by someone else at this point that feels I like it'd his be baby more weird to have coogler do a movie without michael b jordan than than him would walk you walk away to? from this i would true. love to just hang out with michael b jordan for for months at a time that sounds great i, I would say christopher nolan is the uh, path i would like to see these type of filmmakers on where he would do like when he was doing the batman trilogy he would do a Batman film. Then he'd do, I guess, one for him, basically. Yep. Like, he'd do some sort of oddball project. That back and forth, like, doing the franchise so you get the power to make uh, Inception uh, would be great if you get the budget to make this this weird film, which ended up being a big hit on its own. But I don't think when you're pitching Inception, that sounds like, oh, yes, let's give you $100 million That'll for that. Definitely so I would like make to see all the money, yeah. <laughs> if Coogler could uh, exert his power and influence on Disney to get a few of his... Uh, sort of more oddball scripts in there. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. Well, his next nice. uh, project is called Wrong Answer. It's about a math teacher. So uh, clearly he's really uh, <laughs> going to bring superheroes back to life. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, man. Like, so you got these auteurs, right? You say like, uh, let's go back to the Jaws example, right? That's Steven Spielberg's big crowning achievement. He's a young man. He's he's coming on. He makes this film that's critically uh, – praised it's gets makes a shit ton of money it's like you said one of the biggest films of all time it was the biggest film at the time of its release um 
Do you think that dude is sitting in his chair just like grinding his axe because he didn't come back and then they took his baby and, you know, made Jaws for the Revenge or Jaws 3D? And do you think there's a detachment there? I guess it's kind of a speculative thing, right? We can't know what's in these guys' head or gals, but they, you know, there's a, there's a distance for some of them. Can you just walk away and do your own thing? Or if it's like, do you sit there and just like grit their teeth? as like, God damn it, my, my franchise. Look what he did well, with it. I think Spielberg in particular was bitter about other things. Like if you kind of see any of the behind the scenes stuff or they had that uh, Spielberg documentary relatively recently, like the fact that that movie got nominated for a bunch of awards and nobody gave Spielberg any of that awards credit, like he was pissed. He was pissed off, and he probably had no itch. Like, I'm not going to make another another Jaws, another monster movie. I, I feel like I have the talent to be recognized, so I, I need to do my own thing and figure out where I fit here. You know, so I don't think it was a matter of like, oh, how dare they? He was probably like, fine, do whatever you want. I don't think it was, you know, his ultimate passion project to make the the Peter Benchley movie into an a, you know award nominated movie. Like that wasn't his goal <laughs> when he started. That out, book is awful. Know? Yeah, I mean, it, what is this? It's like it was like what, like his second or third movie, if that. Like it was at the very beginning of his career, and it makes me wonder if he had come to that like five or six movies later, if he had had much more of a connection to it. But as a young director, he's probably just kind of to do something else and move on well i think that's that's more on the, the audience members it's more on fans probably in modern times that we it's like we as not creative people i'm speaking for the general audience want what we've seen before because you're you're not in the rooms you, you i don't know what this script on this math teacher is but when, when hyro says ryan kugler is directing the math teacher <laughs> that doesn't sell me on it. You know, that's without it's knowing like more substitute, details. That's not. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, if, if he was revamping the substitute, <laughs> that I'm would in. be a strange choice. <laughs> uh, but so I think fans are obviously going to lean with no, no, do Black Panther because that's a property I realize or that's that's something cool. Like we have some sort of in to that material already. I don't think with like at least in previous decades, I think people followed more the filmmaker, right? It was like. A Steven Spielberg film is coming. I'm in. Well, like you said, I mean, Christopher Nolan is making a lot of money off of his name. Do you think Inception would have been a big hit if Christopher Nolan's name right up front coming off of the Batman uh, films that he did? Same thing with Dunkirk. Is Dunkirk, a movie about some dudes on a beach, really going to you know move the box office needle? <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's all it's about. That's definitely what some that movie dudes. is about. Some dudes on a beach. <laughs> yeah, beach blanket bingo. That's all it was. They're just hanging out. <laughs> Starring a cello or whatever it is. <laughs> oh God, yeah, about that. But yeah, I mean, let's be honest. With that, in today's market, without sort of a, a franchise property, without being Harry Potter or Marvel or DC or something like that, films tend to just kind of fall flat, even regardless of their quality. But you're talking about a World War II thing that made a ton of money, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that does come with with Nolan's name. I mean, I guess for, for chaps like us, we go out for the PTA movie, for the, you know, the big directors that we like, but for the general audience to come out and follow a director, it's, it's more of a rare thing these days. Yeah. And I think it's getting more rare, actually, uh, with this kind of, you know, Disney monstrosity that is kind of running all of Hollywood at this point. Like, whether you're talking about, you know, actual Disney movies or Marvel or whatever else they own at this point, it's like, you know, they just kind of shoehorn in whatever director and there's not 
I'm trying to think of other directors besides Kugler that kind of that began after this this giant corporation really kind of took over movie making in the last you know five to ten years that people really follow. Most of the ones that people really follow are like PTA or Scorsese or like these people who are kind of you know established beforehand, and it makes me wonder like are we missing out on you know young directors who we would be following because you know they'll do one decent you know, no budget movie and then get scooped up uh, by these companies. It almost, it feels like kind of a return to, you know, the, the old, old school Hollywood where it was just like, you know, you got scooped up by some studio and you're like, okay, now you work for us and you're going to do these movies mm-hmm. for us. <clears throat> Look at someone like Damien Chazelle who, you know, he, he has Whiplash uh, and he has La La Land, big Oscar success stories. And he's building to his his passion project with First Man, which requires a higher budget. Just, that made nine hundred million dollars, right? Everybody <laughs> just, saw it. No, what? Just, just whips. <laughs> to be fair, it just like, arrived in Germany, and of course, oh, it's yeah, going to move I'm, the needle. Well, thank God it'll make twelve <laughs> more dollars from you. That's that's good. Are you crazy? It is, it's uh, like seven euro. Such a uh, such a German means. tale. The, <laughs> the American <laughs> yes, space I'm program. Sure it'll just <laughs> go over like gangbusters there. <laughs> So I feel like in the old days, if you have the same actor and the same director who just gave you a box office hit, uh, best picture front runner until the <laughs> the final yes. seconds yes. <laughs> in La La Land, that would have been an instant hit or it's packaged to be a hit. At least it would open well. You know, may- maybe it's a terrible movie, whatever. Not but enough I feel like jazz, that's one- Mike. Not enough jazz. <laughs> well, <laughs> there, were, there was room for some jazz in there a, a little bit. I mean... <laughs> you could have Mr. Armstrong listening to something, God, for God's sake. Um, I, I think that's where it's more about people abandoning filmmakers and even actors. You, could, you know, we've talked before on this podcast about top of the line movie stars don't open like they used to. So I, I think it's people's. Uh, Dave makes an excellent point. I think it's more an allegiance to right now. Unfortunately, maybe a studio or a particular house style than it is to individual filmmakers. You know, you didn't see the Fantastic Four thing, you know, fly off the shelves either. And that's a Marvel sort of property, but in a different studio house. I guess you guys do have a point. It doesn't that count. Just... Not in the MCU. No one gives a shit. <laughs> oh, God <laughs> almighty. You're such a nerd. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> look at no, I mean, look what's point, happening. Um, like, you know. So let's look at the more positive aspect of it. We're trying to be more positive on Marcus Played. Are we? Oh, this, sorry. I guess I haven't been listening. Well, you, you missed out. You've not, you've not been paying attention. But no, see, uh, Dave just ruined. He says he's not listening. He just ruined my entire theory that he was the the auteur gritting in his chair, you know, gritting his teeth every no. time he listened. And then he said, "Fuck it, I gotta come back." <laughs> you know, every time I That's saw a, that there was another episode, I was just gritting my teeth, be like, "I'm not listening to this." Just a, a true Mark Marcus Played. played. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I tried to be more positive, but it just went negative. We went to infighting. I knew that Sorry. would happen. You have three Sorry. people on this. Um, <laughs> Stephen Capel Jr. Honestly, didn't even know the dude's name. Didn't know who was directing Creed 2. Actually, when I went to, into it, I thought it was Stallone. And I was like, God, this is going to be awful. And then when I well, started that was the original it, plan, I think. Like when, <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah Actually, yeah. It was the original plan was for, I think, for him to direct Creed. No? Uh, I don't know. Just, I, I well, know for sure was, he, was, he was slated to direct Creed 2 and, like, you know, the tiny internet world that liked Creed was very upset by this. How dare you retake over your, your franchise of the characters you created? How dare you, Sylvester? But So obviously I'm not familiar with this director, uh, and I've, he's done two films, three films that I've not heard of. So it's, it's an independent director that they reached out to here. And I thought 
kind of like for me, Ant-Man and Wasp, the, they handled that balance of a sequel to something people had some questions about as far as why it's being made other than financial reasons, obviously, as Hyra stated, I I'm wondering like the positive aspect, is this a launching pad? Maybe like Coogler, not to the extent that it was, because I don't know if there's another black Panther property being offered to this man, but is that the positive side of franchise filmmaking that if you allow newer voices to take a shot at it, that then they're able to move up the ranks and eventually bomb with something like first man. When they've yeah. had too much success, <laughs> I think it. I think it can be. I think the the pr- and not to be negative, but that's who I am. Uh, the problem is when you come into come into a franchise as you know. I think Mission Impossible is maybe the only example of the opposite of this, where you feel like you have to kind of shoehorn your own style into this franchise and make it kind of work as a sequel. And I think that's like my one big negative about Creed two without giving anything away as far as plot or anything like that is that I felt like Stephen Cable Jr. was trying to be Ryan Coogler. He was trying to match that directorial style. And it really, to me, it really showed and it just felt like, Oh, we're getting a second rate Ryan Coogler. Try to come in here. Oh, and kind of take oh. over this. Second rate Ryan Coogler is not, it's not an insult. Ryan Coogler is a great young director, but when you have a director trying to like see that land? style, have you seen the land? Like, no. are you familiar with Mr. Capel's style, though? You know, to make that that maybe that's his style. Maybe he is. That's his. That's his thing. Hyros. He's he's positing that Coogler maybe ripped him off. Maybe just can't film boxing sequences. <laughs> there maybe it is. That's just his style. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit that uh, I probably liked, in particular, the boxing sequences more in Creed One. I thought they were a little bit more energetic, creative as far as distinguishing yeah. fight to fight. And a lot of that has to do with his cinematographer as well. Like, there's there's a lot going. There's a lot of moving pieces. It's not just the director, but yeah, it's definitely not. As but creative I will or I will defend uh, Mr. Capel Jr. Not to the extent that Hyra did, where he's now turning on Coogler <laughs> in this episode. Have you seen that? How, of- how dare you? <laughs> Unfortunately, I guess not everything can ape that Mission Impossible style where I think that there may have been some more just general audience backlash if you go too far off the rails yeah. from Creed 1. So th- there may be some sort of small house style, almost like a TV series where you have a director establish the pilot and that's sort of the look and tone. And I think he, he's you know he's very capable here. I'm, I would actually check out The Land, not because of what Hyro said, but because of Creed we'll 2. We'll never do anything because so. of what Hyro said. That's just a bad call. Look, the, the plot of The Land is that uh, a bunch of kids are trying to escape, escape Cleveland, Ohio. That's right there. So it's I'm a in. documentary? Is that like <laughs> It's everyone I've ever met from Cleveland. Get exactly. me out of here. As soon as I get a Even job, Even LeBron get me can't out of here. stay there. He's like, I, that's it. I've had enough. <laughs> I Twice. got my one championship. Time to go. I got to go. That's it. I'm out of here. I think we got to go too. <laughs> this point. Yeah. Before we insult something else, we're going to start ranting on Cleveland, which is a, a city I've been to a couple times. And I'll just well, say that I, the I land. I think we've already it, started. I mean, did, I did just say, like, <laughs> everyone leaves as soon as they get a job. So I think that's. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I am going to put the cut a little, a couple seconds before that. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know Cleveland was such a hotbed of Marcus Played listeners that you were so terrified of Cleveland. What kind of Miami person is scared of Cleveland? Oh, I'm not scared of Cleveland. I'm just trying to be less negative, less insulting. 
<laughs> oh, so you're, you don't want to be insulting. That's what we're going with. You, That's you've, yeah. new... you've been out of the uh, podcast game for a while. We can't rely on Hiro's German German audience to carry Marcus plate. <laughs> so, yes, I'm going to try to uh, hard target Cleveland and uh, say we we support we support the land, which is now they do you can get on uh, Amazon Prime. How about that? Prime it's video. Free? I'm going to check it out. Is it free? Uh, no, so I'll probably check it out later. Yeah. <laughs> 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 On that note. 399. Yeah. We'll hold that thought. Eh, too much. much. Too much. <laughs>